one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I remember... When I actually moved back from London to Stockholm in order for us to build War on Cancer together. Yeah. It was on the 4th of February 2017. And on the 5th of February, the same year, so the day after, you told me we have to start going to the gym or you have to start going to the gym if we're if we're going to build this together. It's funny you say that because it's, I, I think I remember it as the other way around or I wasn't sort of involved in making you go to the gym. It was rather you that said, well, we're going to be working with war on cancer and, and sort of health. Uh, I need to get healthy. Uh, so I think you inspired yourself or you, you made yourself start going to the gym. But thank you for attributing me for sort of motivating you to becoming a, a gym person. No, but you really did. And I mean, you've been my personal trainer for the last three years. Yeah, sort of. But you're, you're, you're on your own now. We were actually talking about this just uh, on our way out here, how physical exercise has changed dramatically over the, just the past 10 years. Now it, it is more, at, at least the way I see it, it's, more, it's gone from sort of the extremities, uh, sort of uh, uh, maximizing muscle mass to balance, movement, and a more humane and all-round type of workout, which has seemed to, to be trending more and more. And needless to say, I mean, exercising and being an active person has helped me, and it has obviously helped you as well. Because you, I mean, I remember you started exercising in the middle of your cancer Treatment. Yeah, and it's exercise has always been a, a huge part of my life, and and uh, I remember for the first couple of months in cancer treatment, I wasn't able to uh, exercise the way I wanted to, and and I think that I, I don't know if that was the cause of it, but I remember a couple of months into the cancer treatment, just falling into this darkness, like this real like depression uh, type state of mind where I I could no longer see any happiness in my day to day life, and and it was. 
it was exercise that helped me pull me out of pull myself out of that uh, that state of mind. It helped me out of depression. So both on a mental and a physical level, it benefited you. Um, today we're going to discuss this and more, uh, how exercise can be a tool to regain your not only your mental but also your physical strength during uh, cancer treatment and after cancer treatment as well. Uh, do you know who we're going to have as a guest today? Yes, the powerhouse called Fitz Curler. Exactly. From Florida, born and raised. She's a marathon runner and a race, one of the most famous race announcers in the US. Uh, she's also gone through cancer, so we're going to listen to what she has to say today. Super exciting. Good. So let's get down to business. Let's get down to it. Welcome, Fitz. Thank you, Sebastian and Fabian. I'm so happy to be on with you guys. Glad to have you with us. So first things first, Fitz is obviously not the most common name. Right. Perhaps it is in Florida. No. Can you give us a little bit of, share a little bit about your background? So um, even though I am pure American, in fact, I am third generation American, all of my old dead people, may I call them, are from Ireland, or at least most of them. And so we're Fitzgeralds. And what happens when you have a name like Fitzgerald or MacArthur? People call you Fitz or they call you Mac. And um, I think my parents just got a little little bored of their kids being renamed. So they named me Fitz, knowing that it was something I would, I would likely enjoy n- no matter what because of my last name. And because who knew I would grow up to become a fitness expert and my yeah. company, my brand is Fitness. <laughs> Such a great I name. I think it's magical. Yeah, I love it. I'm so happy with it. Fitness. Yeah, you got to love it. Did you choose fitness because you were named Fitz? No, I no, that would have been a lame way to pick a pre- career. <laughs> no, I just <laughs> I started teaching fitness when I was about 14, 15 and fell in love with it and then when I was maybe 20, I started getting into some business ventures and was racking my brain on what do I call myself? And then I don't know. It just hit me. It just hit me. And I thought, fitness. And it's been that ever since. Yeah. And I mean, you're, we're super happy to have you as a guest on this, uh, on this podcast because you have extensive experience in both training, fitness, and in cancer. So what's your, what's your relation to cancer and how did cancer enter your life? Can you share that story with us? Sure. So I'll start by saying, like, I think all of us, I've had my heart broken too many times at the hands of cancer. I lost my father, both grandmothers, friends, family members, you know, it just cancer is mean. And um, I, I was raised not using the word hate, I was told never to say the word hate, that it's a toxic feeling, and it's a waste of energy. However, I exclusively reserve the word hate for cancer and terrorism, feeling that they both kind of inflict the same wounds. But uh, in December of no, 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 December of 2019, I was diagnosed with breast cancer and um, it was trying to take me out. It was moving aggressively and thankfully I found it myself and my doctors and I both took it seriously. We moved quickly and in May of 2020, just five months ago, I finished up my treatment and I'm back to living a full life. What a recovery. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a, miserable, difficult road, but there were some silver linings. And, you know, I am exhibit A of if it can happen to me, the healthiest girl in the world, it can happen to anybody. And I'm also a great example of 
early detection and self-exams save lives. And I'm also a, I think, a good role model for living fully while fighting for my life. Yeah. And I mean, that, that is one of the topics that we really want to discuss on this podcast. And you're a, you're a clear-cut example of the, the possibility of doing just that. And you've written a book called My Noisy Cancer Comeback. What's up with the title and what is the book about? From what I've been told from cancer survivors and patients who have read it so far is they all say, God, I wish I had that when I was first diagnosed or I'm, I'm highlighting things along the way because I went through it and I get it. Um, but I was inspired to write it, first of all, because when things started hitting the fan in a weird way, I kept thinking, why doesn't anybody tell you about this stuff? So, you know, with cancer, they, we know you're going to be sick and you're going to be tired and you may be bald. But then there was all these funny little, well, they weren't funny to go through, but in hindsight, very funny, strange things that happened. And I kept thinking, nobody ever tells you this stuff. And then I thought, I'm going to tell a story. I'm going to tell people about all the gory, juicy details of what it's like to actually live through cancer. And I put a funny spin on it. I mean, everyone can identify with, you know, I went bald. And so bald is one thing, but then my, I had a rash on my head and I felt like an ogre. And so I started calling myself Shrek. And, it, it, you know, there's a lot of really funny, silly things that go on. But then when my cancer treatment collided with my work schedule. So I got on a plane 22 different times during the meanest part of my cancer care alone to fly around America, announcing races, hosting probably half a million people. And it became this kind of tale of adventure in cancer. And uh, through that, I had a lot of wonderful experiences with people. And, you know, hopefully anyone who is going through this experience or as a family or friend who's doing it, you know, I think Having perspective that it could always be worse, be grateful for what you have goes a long way. Pursuing your passion, whatever that is, goes a long way. And then in my case, I chose to smile whenever I could. And that went an awful long way. And I do think that people need to be able to read A Tale of Triumph. Because when we look at cancer on Amazon, those books are scary. Those books are dreary. And, you know, there's a lot of scariness, uh, completely a lot of scariness, but I I think I'm telling the tale in a lighthearted way. I got raw, I got real, there's some difficult moments, but um, I'm hoping that some cancer patients while reading this will be pumping their fist, shouting hell yeah, and high-fiving their friends and sending me air hugs because, you know, whether it's breast cancer, colon cancer, brain cancer, there's all of these universal things we have in common and I, I tried my best to, you know, bring those to light. And I don't know, I'm excited for everybody's feedback. The book's going really well. And I want you to laugh at my expense. Most importantly, have a good laugh. And, you know, writing and journaling is, of course, also it is a coping mechanism for for dealing with your mental health during cancer. And it's also one of the coping mechanisms that we have built into the War on Cancer app, which I know that you're now a member of. Absolutely. And it's beautiful, guys. I wish I would have had it when I was diagnosed. I'd love to know, since you, uh, you're you just out of uh, treatment, and are you, would, you, would you say you're back to full speed, as in totally physically back to full speed, or kind of getting there in the process of getting back? So that's a great question. I feel like a normal person again. In most regards, I'm not, a, I'm not as athletic as I once was. 
Um, so I'm working on that and I'm very athletic right now. And I'm, uh, I'm doing a lot of things. I swim a lot. I used to be able to pop into a half marathon without training for it and be fine. I, I would struggle to run a 5k right now. So, um, I'm just a little less sporty. I'm a lot weaker. I lost a lot of weight during treatment. So I'm working really hard to get my muscles back. And then the thing that affects me daily is chemo brain. Yeah. I'm still very foggy. I forget people's names. I forget lots of details. And I'm constantly asking, um, well, I'm, co- I'm constantly apologizing and asking for forgiveness. And I see it's chemo brain and then I get away with it. So. I know. You can always <laughs> pull the C card. That's the thing. I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah, it's our, it's our right, you know. Uh, That's right. But I, I think just, just for your, at least from my experience, the chemo brain went away, uh, went away about a year after I finished treatment. And and also, but I, I, I'm still, even though I'm back to full, I think physically, I'm back to exercising. I used to exercise a lot before. I still have this, you know, lack of like that explosive energy. Uh, it's something that I've been struggling to to get back since I was uh, went through this. Uh, that How many years are you out? To coming up to three years, actually. That's amazing. That's amazing. So work on explosive energy. Work on that. If you practice it, you will eventually accomplish it. So yeah, um, I, I understand the feeling of heaviness. You know, maybe not feeling very uh, springy. Springy, if that's a good word to use. But yeah, you got to practice it. I also am not very springy yet, but <laughs> no. and and I direction. and I haven't been through cancer. I'm not very springy Good. either, so I mean, <laughs> you shouldn't feel bad about yourselves. Uh, and I trained a hell of a lot in order to make uh, make it to the finish line on a half marathon. So after being through what you guys have been through, you shouldn't blame yourself too hard. Uh, <clears throat> I think Fitz, uh, you have an extensive background when it comes to everything fitness and everything exercise. Can you tell us? Just take us through uh, your education in this field and how that has helped you uh, going through cancer and in life generally. That would be interesting to hear. Sure. And I think credentials do matter because there's a lot of people that maybe look great in a swimsuit that are giving out advice that shouldn't. And science is important. And I'm a big fan of uh, the spinal column and our heart and lungs and health overall, which is why I took uh, your health seriously by going, I earned a master's degree in exercise and sports sciences. I've been teaching around the world for 30 years and I've continued my education since I earned that master's, uh, because I really care about the people I'm supporting. Yeah. So I think it's really important to understand how the body works. And, you know, it's a, I say it frequently. I have a master's degree in the most simple, stupid science in the world. You know, it's not so complicated. Fitness is watching what you put in your mouth, moving your body regularly, getting enough sleep and removing the cranky people from your life. And I say that because (laughs) stress is a tremendous burden on your body. Um, But yeah, there's my industry is full of snake oil salesmen. So I've been, I've built a beautiful business without ever selling a supplement, a shake, a pill, a powder, a goofy wrap or any sort of lies, you know, people can get what they need to nourish their body out of the ground or at the grocery store. They don't have to go to some pill and powder shop and ask some minimum wage, uneducated employee what to buy, what expensive product to buy to provide some miracle cure. That's not how fitness works. It's a, it's a daily effort to better yourself. And the more good stuff you put in your body and the more you move your body, the closer you get towards your results. And when it comes to fitness, it's about cardiovascular training, the kind that makes you huff and puff, strength training, the kind that makes you grunt, uh, stretching, the kind that makes you wince, 
balance training, the kind that makes you wobble. And those, if you, if you huff, puff, grunt, wince, and wobble on a regular basis, you're constantly going to be moving, um, that, uh, marker forward and getting better physically. This is so interesting. So balancing is something we got to pick up our game on. Uh, I don't think we, are you talking about yourself or us? Uh, no, because we, we exercise together, me as a, uh, but do you know why balance training is important? Please tell us. So you don't fall down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's it. It's so you don't fall, fall down. And so, you know, if, any one of us, and we're, we're grownups, right? We're not old, we're not super young, but we're grownups. If we hit the ground right now, ouch, we'd go, holy cow, I can't believe we did this all the time when we were five and we survived. So we would, we would definitely maybe cry a little bit if we fell hard. But in your senior years, if you fall down, man, falls are responsible for a tremendous percentage of senior deaths. And those are premature deaths. So, you know, if you fall and break your hip at 77, you might have cut off your beautiful life that was moving you towards 90 years old. So falls, I, I, I like avoiding falls. I'm, I'm not a big fan of falling down. And it is very important. I mean, it's like in skiing. Most people breaking their legs while skiing, they actually do it when they're in the queue for the lift. I would be that person. So let's say, let's say I'm a cancer patient and I've just been diagnosed and uh, I'm right now I have fatigue. I'm losing a lot of weight. I don't have any strength whatsoever left, and I come to you for advice and help. So, where do you start? What do you start with to get? I want to become active. How how do you go about that? So, I'm going to start with by saying there are some quality reasons to just lie down, and you know I experienced that through I don't know months two through five of my cancer care, where I literally didn't exercise at all, period, because I was too sick and any effort I made to exercise would have been counterproductive. However, you know, before that three-month chunk, I did have time where I could get up and do something. And then after I, I was able to get up and do something. So I always say, if you have access to water, that's such a gentle way to get moving, you know, so stretching in the shower goes a long way a long way, you know, because our muscles get tight from just lying there, from sitting on my infusions. When I would go in for chemo, I'd arrive at 9am and I'd leave at 6pm. And that was just a long time to sit there um, in my drugged up Benadryl coma. So stretching is for starters, the first thing people should be doing as much as possible. But then I was able to get in some pools. Of course, I'm in Florida. Hopefully you guys have some indoor pools accessible, but I would just stretch in the pool or I would just wiggle my arms around in the pool. It was very simple, very rudimentary, but it was something and it felt good. The other thing I would do is I would take my dog on these tiny little walks. We would literally walk to the mailbox and back, but that was better than I had done before. And I was getting some fresh air moving a little bit. It was intentional exercise. And and one of the things you had, um, we had chatted a little bit earlier is you know, what is exercise? Exercise is different than being active. So, you know, I, I think it's funny when people are like, I clean my house, that's exercise. No, that's be moving your body about being active and physical activity of any sort is always a good thing. But exercise is deliberate. Exercise is intentional. I'm going to walk the dog. I'm going to swim. I'm going to dance. Those are deliberate actions. I'm going to do push-ups. Those are exercise. So, you know, being active is wonderful. And if you can be active, do be active. But when you're ready to push the envelope, exercise. Start gently and then we do baby steps.
I started hitting weights uh, six months into uh, chemo. And I was, I felt like a skeleton. I probably looked like a skeleton. And I, I started pushing the bench at levels where I normally just warm up. And it felt belittling or demotivating in the beginning, but it quickly, I quickly started to gain a lot of energy and started to build up that muscle mass. Uh, but some, somehow, sometimes I got so tired that I started thinking that maybe this is not healthy. Maybe I'm doing too much. Is there a too much, would you say? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Absolutely. There's definitely a too much, and, and which is why I called it quits on exercise for three months. I knew it would be counterproductive, but I love that you bring that up because you know, in the real world, forget the cancer world, people will say, oh, I'm embarrassed to go to the gym because I can't lift XYZ or I can't accomplish XYZ. And I always say, but you're at the gym. That's what matters. The second you walk into the gym or the second you walk out your door to exercise, you're a winner. Um, so then I had my three-month break and I started swimming a little bit and then I had surgery, which, which required another break. But my first day back in the gym, you know, I knew what exercises I was going to do. And maybe I was lifting 25% of the weight that I left off before I stopped, before I got cancer, right? And so then I identified with all the people who were embarrassed, but I thought, well, absolutely nobody in this gym, first of all, nobody cares what I'm doing. They're focused on what they're doing. But if they were looking at me, push this weight, they had no idea what I lifted five months prior so what I'm doing is none of their business. And I was so proud of me knowing that I had just gone through hell and I was so sick and I finally got in there and I was able to just do something. And, and you know, people might look at me and think, oh, she's a beast. She's a fitness pro, blah, blah, blah. She's going to go out all hardcore. No, because I'm a fitness pro, I went in there as gently as possible. I went through the motions and I patted myself on the back. I was so happy just to be able to walk through those gym doors again. I felt like a fish being thrown back in the water. 
And so it was a good experience because I knew that, um, that I was moving in the right direction. And so cancer patient folks, go easy on yourself. This is an unbearably difficult time. And if somebody else is judging you, shame on them, right? You walk in the door with your head, you walk in the door with your bald head up high. And that's how of I course. did it. I rolled in there bald and proud and I was scrawny. And, um, you know, I, I, I just, I'm so proud of me. And I, and I want everyone to do that, knowing that if you're in the, in the process of fighting for your life or you just got done with it, well, if you're at the gym or you're going for a walk with your dog, you know, celebrate that. So you owe nobody anything, but you do owe that body of yours all the effort in the world because you want that body to carry you on for the next 30, 50, 70 years. So you're going to have to put in some work to make it great. I'm, I'm fully with you. And, and, and so let's bring it back to this cancer patients that have just come to you for advice. So we want the listeners here to get some real advice that they can bring with them into their lives. So how do I start? So uh, those four specifics I talked about, they were, they're important no matter what, whether you're an elite athlete, whether you're pregnant, whether you're a cancer patient, it's strength, endurance, flexibility, and balance. And so what you need to do is start moving in baby steps on those things. So what can you do for strength? Um, maybe you can do bridges on the floor. Maybe you could do bicep curls with soup cans. It could be as very simple as that. But whatever you can do to get stronger, push-ups against the wall, two squats, that's important for strength. I do like the stretching in the shower thing. I love stretching in bed. You know, we're with chemo radiation. It's fatiguing. We spend a lot of time horizontal. So use those opportunities to make progress. And if you stretch in a way that makes you wince, makes that funny face, you know you're doing the right thing. If you can just stand on one foot while you're brushing your teeth, you're working on your balance. And I can tell you that my balance, my whole life has been extraordinary. The second I got chemo sick, I actually became a fall risk. And I remember during my port surgery, they put a band on me that said fall risk. And I thought, what? Oh. I was running a race last weekend. I'm an athlete. Why am I a fog fall mm. risk? Well, P.S. because they were pumping me full of drugs. And then the next weekend, I actually almost fell down. So work on your balance, cancer patients. Stand in the bathroom, one foot, brushing your teeth. And if you feel like you're really at risk, maybe hold on to the counter. But balance matters. And then, of course, um, gentle endurance activities. For me, it was it was walking and it was swimming or, or just wobbling around in the pool. But, you know, you might dance in your kitchen with your kids. Whatever it is, just start moving in a gentle way and push the envelope as you can. And I mean, and I mean, this is the reason why we have you on the show as well. Because as you mentioned, you have a degree in this field. You're not selling snake oil. You're a fantastic person and you've been through cancer yourself. So I would recommend everybody to go to fitsnest.com. We will link to that in the podcast description, etc. I'd love to hear some, some proof and evidence that does exercising during cancer increase your chances of surviving or are there sort of research pointing towards that? But also, once you have gone through cancer, such as me, for instance, uh, is, is exercise a way to, to prevent relapse or avoid relapse? So, so I'm not someone to be able to throw out a bunch of curate statistics due to exercise and that would be a fantastic study. However, I can tell you the um, real in-person in experiential 
information. So I'll start with a question I ask a lot of people. On any given day, doing any given thing, would you rather be stronger or weaker? Stronger. Absolutely. Every time. There is no second choice to that. We'd always choose strength. And when we think of strength, we are often thinking about our physical structure, our muscles. But it's important to have a strong heart, strong lungs. You know, folks experiencing this COVID nightmare right now, if you go into any situation, whether you've got COVID or cancer or you get hit by a bus, you start off as a strong, capable person. You are far more likely to recover, rehabilitate, and rebound faster than someone who got into that situation weak and sickly. So strength always matters. And again, I say strength, we talk about muscles, but strength could be your cardiorespiratory system. So we know that to be true. So when you're at the your weakest, you know, and we, we actually say it, gosh, I feel weak. Weak doesn't feel good. No, it doesn't. Active no, strong feels good. Strong is related to vitality and energy. So I know that a stronger, fitter body is going to do better enduring any sort of treatment and definitely not the opposite. We never get sick and think, gee, if I were only weaker, I would do a little better. And then the other correlation is that physical activity promotes emotional health. And you and I both know that um, even bright, sunny people end up in the depths of despair. And I talk a little bit about that in my book because I am the ultimate optimist. I'm often considered the happiest person in the world, and I, and I truly feel that. But in July of last year, I understood why people discontinue cancer care. You know, I was so sick, and every single millimeter of my body was being affected by the treatment. It was my hair. It was my my digestive system, it was my fingernails were rotting out on my fingers, my eyelashes were gone. It just the the um the suffering and the pain and the stress level was intense. Yeah. But when I got in the woods to go for a little walk with my dog, all of a sudden it didn't feel so bad. You know, when I got in the pool, I felt a little bit better about me and my situation. And so physical activity, just being outdoors, getting fresh air, it's all productive, moving you in the right direction. And again, I don't have specific uh, data to throw at you to say if you exercise during cancer treatment, you're X amount more likely to live. However, I can tell you that every single brochure, every website, every resource for scientific uh, cancer care tells you that you should exercise and eat right whenever possible. So it's certainly not detrimental to anybody. Of course not. And uh, you are your own evidence in, in, uh, because what you were just saying. And I love, love your expression, emotional health. Can you p please elaborate a bit on that? Yeah, I mean, it, it matters. We've seen elite athletes commit suicide. So it's not just about the body we live in. It's about this brain and our emotions matter and you know, I, I don't ever think I was not empathetic to people suffering, but going from being strong and vibrant to happy to all of a sudden sick and isolated and weak. It was devastating. It was absolutely devastating. It broke my heart for me. You know, I, one of my great gifts is that I'm never envious of other people. If I see other people that have nice things or doing nice things, I genuinely feel joyful for them. But last summer, as I sat in my bedroom in sunny Florida and I saw pictures of my friends out on water skis or jet skis or just sitting at the beach, I felt jealous. I thought, oh, what I wouldn't give to be doing what they're doing. So 
you know, it's important for us to pursue our passion. I was able to travel the country race announcing, which brought incredible joy to me, even in my sickest moments, because I loved what I was doing. And I loved the people I was working for. Now, not everybody has the opportunity to stand in front of 20,000 adrenaline fueled people for their go-go juice. But if you love pets, if you love painting or photography or music, you should include that in your life because it boosted my mental health and got me through the hard times. And I want every other cancer patient to know that while you are fighting for your life, you should continue living. You know, whatever you can do to actually live while you're enduring the cure, you should do. It matters. You don't have to sit alone in your bedroom and watch Netflix all day. Everything that you talked about right now, I remember this is part of what you wrote in the book as well. I remember you writing about uh, the toenails and how you just felt like you were going through this, but you had a good, uh, good diagnosis, but you could feel how it must feel for people that are terminally ill, right? Uh, what you just explained. And you also sort of around that, not paragraph, but around that chapter, you also talked about um, the need for support and the need for the, the the support you have around you to not stop taking you to special events and not sort of trying to make your wishes come true. So coming into that, how big of a support have you received from your family and friends and how important has that been in your recovery? Yeah, I, I've been very, very fortunate. My husband kicked in full gear. He's a police officer. And through work, he had the ability to take off. It's called Family Medical Leave Act here. But he could basically take a few hours off here or there or an entire day or an entire week as my care required. So I wasn't left alone. I mean, there were days where I'd be lying in bed so sick that if he did not bring me a drink, I wouldn't have had the drink. I didn't have a strength or motivation to get up to get food. So having that person there to care for me really went a long way. I had so much concern and well wishes from the running community and the fitness community and my my own neighbors. They brought meals and so forth, which, wow, <laughs> made my life easier because, you know, on the third day after my first round of chemo, I picked my kids up from school and my son said, what are we having for dinner? And I just thought, oh my gosh, I can't do dinner. I can't make you food. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And so the fact that they had safe rides to and from school um, went a long way. The fact that they had food went a long way. Um, but while I was receiving quality care, you know, it's still, you know, two things. Um, I still felt very lonely, you know, cancer just in general, no matter how much love and family you're surrounded by, it's a very lonely experience because while while they loved me and supported me, I had to do all the scary scams. I had to take all the pokes in my port. I had to go through, you know, surgery. They would wheel me away from my husband to bring me back to cut me open or whatever. So it's just, it's really lonely. And um, I, I did write about that. What I want people to do is sometimes when you have a sick person, you say, no, stay home. You don't have to come. Instead, maybe encourage your your patient friend or family member, hey, come on out. Can you make it? What can we do to get you to come along to this movie or to your kid's play? Because even though I felt really bad, I wanted to be there. And, um, you know, I, I endured some hard moments just to have the enjoyment of watching my daughter cheer or my son act. So 
you know, don't disclude your friends because they're patients. Try and include them. I remember this as well. So I, there were so many times that where I just wanted to do nothing, lay in bed all day or barely even that, just lie down and sleep. And, and my mother was really good at um, encouraging me to get out there, go for walks. Sometimes we went to, to exhibitions, museums, uh, just basically just got out of the house and into nature and so looking at people and stuff. And every time I was so thankful afterwards because it, it made my day and it really boosted my sort of happiness levels. But it, it was always the same kind of story where I would wake up not feeling like I wanted to do anything and just refusing to go out. And then my mom would start to just, you know, suggest these different things and then basically she dragged me out and and, and it turned out really good every time uh, but yeah I, I can I fully hear you and drag the patients uh, along with you that's a great suggestion for for any loved one or friend because the patient is not gonna know that how much they will benefit from it yeah and you know one of my girlfriends she passed away from pancreatic cancer a few years ago I loved you know, she'd come out for me with walks or her family. They didn't leave her at home on Christmas Eve and not go to church or they didn't just skip church as a family. They they got her a wheelchair and they brought her along. And, you know, she got to hear the songs and watch the the play and the pageant. And it, you know, it filled her heart up with joy for that night. And I think that mattered for her. You have a fantastic way of expressing your attitude towards life. Uh, and I mean, just your, your um, headline of chapter six, when things go wrong, don't go with them. It just has this sort of positive attitude towards life. And I think that is, um, you feel that throughout the book. Thank you. And also, I love that you're adding humor. I mean, laughing about things uh, makes makes these type of tough journeys just a tad easier. It does. Isn't it missing in cancer? I think that all the cancer discussions are really dark and dreary. I wanted to have a, a, a frank conversation that was, you know, uh, filled with a little bit of joy, right? That's okay. So Fitz, with that, we're going to let you go. We're going to head on as well. We have thoroughly enjoyed to have you on the show. Thank you very much and have a great rest of the day. Thanks, guys. Thank you. I have to say, I feel like exercising, like now. Yeah, same here. This was really, um, yeah, this lifted my physical spirit. Yeah. Do you think Fitz is going out for a run straight after this? Probably. It feels like one of those people that just finds ways of exercising in, in every, you know, moment of life. Ways to meetings while standing in queues and stuff. Yeah, and such, such a happy person as well. Uh, and that really perpetuates throughout the book as well which I can highly recommend everybody reading I've just read a few passages but they've been great very happy that she that she took the time to share her story and share her advice as we're now going into the holiday season yay uh, a lot of fun but can also be very stressful uh, especially uh, for the people listening that are currently going through cancer treatment uh, we just want to let you know that War on Cancer will be hosting a digital Christmas meetup uh, during uh, December month. So we'd love to see as many as possible uh, with us there. Download the War on Cancer app to find out more information. Yeah, very nice. Looking forward to that. Likewise. See you next time. What's happening next time? Oh, what's happening next time? We're meeting Tara Donnelly. 
we met her the first time one, one and a half years ago. She's heading the NHSX unit, which is the, the unit for digital transformation within the NHS, which is the UK's healthcare system. Yep. So she's all about bringing digital transformation into the healthcare that reaches every single Britain. What will the future of healthcare look like? We'll find out next week. Yeah, indeed. So see you then. See you then. on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.